Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Football Social Daily. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League podcast out there seven days a week. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. And although it's international break, there has been some rather big news in the world of the Premier League, especially if you're a Watford fan, because Javi Grazia is gone. They have changed their management structure. So in comes Kike Sanchez-Flores. Out goes Javi Grazia. What do you think, Watford fans? We're going to be discussing that on the podcast, so let us know at the Sports Social on Twitter. Also, England, a routine 4-0 victory, but I was more interested in watching the cricket, to be honest. It was pretty boring, if you ask me, even though England won 4-0. But Harry Kane, he's really been racking up the goals in an England shirt. Michael Owen has also been chatting recently. He's been talking about his new book. We're going to be talking about him. So maybe not only giving him a taste of his own medicine, but certainly discussing what he's had to say, as well as what Roy Keane has had to say about his former employers, Manchester United. So that's all coming up on Football Social Daily. I'm Niall McCorn. It's a debut today for Mark Ogden. Hello, Mark. Hi, guys. Alex Boardman's here. Hey. First time of the season. Where yes. have you been? Oh, I've oh, been in Poland. I've been in Spain. <laughs> Adam Keyworth's here as well. Hello, Hi, Adam. Hello, mate. Um, how are you feeling? You were at the cricket yesterday, weren't you? I was at the cricket yesterday. Um, it was a good day. It was good. Apart from Joe Root getting it, it was good, apart from the last half an hour, which was just totally depressing. And you're feeling, you're feeling all right, not too many beers and stuff? No, no, I'm, I'm pretty fresh today. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's crack straight on with it. Javi Grazia has been sacked by Watford five games into the new season, four of which are Premier League games and the first managerial casualty. The sack race has been won by Javi Grazia of Watford. He's been replaced by Kike Sanchez-Flores. I don't want to say we didn't see it coming because certainly Watford have had a, a terrible start to the season in terms of Premier League form, Mark. But um, this was uh, quite ruthless from Watford, really. It was, yeah, because a couple of weeks ago when the, the story first came out, Watford were pretty keen to say, no, no, there's nothing nothing happening, he's, he's fine, you know, there's no problem at all. And uh, that's usually a sign that you better start getting ready to, to get a new manager. Mm. So, <laughs> but I, I was at the uh, FA Cup final last season and, I mean, to lose 6-0 in the Cup final was pretty humiliating and they've obviously not recovered from that. But uh, the, the weird thing is, when um, Mauricio Sarri was under pressure at Chelsea last season, mm. uh, Grazia was being suggested as a potential replacement for Sarri because they'd been impressed by what he'd done at 
at uh, Watford. He's got a track record in Europe. So he's gone from being a potential next Chelsea manager <laughs> to being sacked after less than what, a month of the season. So, um, yeah. yeah, Watford are a club like that. The Watford do tend to get two managers. So, uh, But the, the surprise is bringing back the old guy who they sacked, what, two, three years ago? Yeah, that's, that's nine in six years mm. for Watford. Well, interestingly enough, uh, in his post-match interview uh, last week, Javi Grazzi was, was quite smiley and quite upbeat. And he said, you know, we've got, we've got a result here. Um, we've started to walk, now we need to learn to run. And and it is a long Premier League season, Alex, isn't it? And it is a long season, we all know that. You just wonder what, because you wonder if they were thinking about this after the cup final, because they must have, six to go 6-0, I mean, Watford, what, they get there twice every 30, 40 years, when were they last there? Was it early 84, eight? 84 I think, 84, yeah. yeah. So it must have been, that must have been really humiliating, because it was hard to watch. I watched the first three goals go in of that and you were like wow I'm really surprised that Watford don't have a bit more spirit than this Yeah, but maybe I don't know maybe it's just been in the air but to get to, to bring someone back who was not particularly successful <laughs> just, something must be going on something else there must be a relationship there Keezy between Sanchez Flores and the sort of the, the management at Watford in terms of the club's owners and whatnot. because to bring him back so swiftly um, in the same statement as second Grazia practically that you know that shows that there's obviously some sort of relationship between the two yeah the, there's definitely some sort of mates behind the scenes going on because they sacked him after one season didn't they uh, Sanchez Flores he was he was okay yeah. but I don't think as well from a fan's point of view as a Watford fan you lose a manager who I think the fans really liked and who did really well took them to the first FA Cup final mm. since 84 granted they got slapped in the final yeah and they've the bottom of the table after four games, but to go back, that's a, a backward step. Regardless, they're not they're not sacking the managers, bringing someone better. No, they're not bringing a club legend back. Are yeah, they? exactly. It's not like it's, a, or the you know somebody you left under because he went to go manage Juventus yeah, for a bit. It's not an ex-player, or there's no real ties between Sanchez Flores and Watford. He's not. Well, that's the weird thing. I mean, he's had he's had two jobs since he left. Espanyol. And Shanghai Shenhua, so he's not exactly been, you know, managing Barcelona and Real Madrid. So <laughs> maybe he's come back from Shanghai and gone, look, I just made 10 million quid last year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Don't yeah. pay me, I'll do it for now. <laughs> maybe like, that's why. He, um, Javi Grazia has a 45% win record in charge of Watford, which is pretty strong. Yeah, because under any circumstances, Sanchez Flores had a 31% win ratio, but I, I just think it's, it's typical of. We've talked about this on the last podcast when I got shouted at for talking badly about Newcastle. <laughs> um, but what do Watford expect? I know, I like this question. Is, mm. is my question. What do they expect Javi Grazia to do? Well, what What is the job of the Watford manager? Is it yeah. to... What Listen, are their ambitions? Well, they've, they've they finish with the FA, table. Yeah, they've got to an FA Cup final. They were knocking on the door of the Europa League yeah. for a large part of the season, which you're talking a, a club like Watford, of course, you know, a town just, just north of London, and it's... You well, know, it's the problem it, it, where they are because they, they, they believe they're a London club and that yeah. actually matters because they sell themselves as a London club because London clubs can get better players because yeah. players, I mean, Dybala didn't want to sign for Man United partly because he didn't want to live in Manchester, wanted to live in London. Seriously. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's, just, it's just the way it goes these days and Watford think that either a London club, which I suppose they technically are, and they could be a Wolves or a Leicester knocking on the door of the top six, but the top six is so hard to crack. and It, it might be cracked this year because United are so bad. But, you know, long term, it's going to be so hard for a club like Watford or Leicester or Wolves yeah. to do it, you know, long term. So, um, I suppose every club's got to look higher than they are. Yeah. Otherwise, you become Sunderland, don't you? And you get relegated. But, um, 
It's a tricky one. It's a tricky one because uh, Watford never going to be a top six club. Is it unfair for me to say that Watford probably don't have the personnel that a Leicester and a, and a Wolves have got to break into that top six? And actually, probably last season, by being so close, they might have been punching above their weight slightly. Absolutely. And I think the thing with Watford as well, without being disrespectful, which means I'm going to be disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're still outside the dressing room at, at Wolves or at Leicester, you can probably recognise half of the players with Watford. It's just this endless production of plays that you, you don't recognise, you've never heard of. They yeah. do a good job, and it's like, who's he, who's he? And, you know, it's amazing how they get results because they're a team of faceless players, apart from Troy Deeney and, yeah. you know, the, the more recognisable ones. But it's, it's really hard to... That's why they're unpredictable, because they've got a, a, an endless stream of new players and different players and, you know, different tactics, different managers. I think um, some of the Watford fans were saying on Twitter last night that they saw this coming in summer um, because of the transfer window. Craig Dawson uh, was Craig Dawson was one of their big signings from West Brom, the yeah, centre back. Yeah. yeah, and that is not a no. signal of intent from the board to and, say and, we're and backing you. That was sort of mid window as well. Yeah, it, and they brought in Saar, uh, young winger, Ishmael Sarr. Yeah. yeah, but I I thought they did well to keep hold of some of the players. I, I really like Ducore. Yeah, I think he'd do a well, job. They, I think Everton were keen most, on yeah. on him, weren't they? And then the PSG but were also. It just goes back to the question of now Sanchez Flores is in. What's what's his aim? Keep him up. Just survive to the end of the season. It's, but it's five but, games in, four Premier League games into the season. It's and bleak. we're talking about Kike Sanchez Flores coming into Watford and keeping them in the Premier League. It's it's just bleak. It's it's just not, not very nice, I don't think. Not this early. Not on the back of getting to an FA Cup final, keeping hold of the team. Still they still play decent football. Like the for the teams in that bracket of twelve to sixteen. Where they finished fourteenth last season, they're probably the best, the best of that bunch. I just thought it, it's weird. What, what are they going to do now this season? Yeah, they're just in limbo again. But that's the thing, isn't it? I always used to say it's about Stoke City. You know, I'm a Portsmouth fan, so when we were in the Premier League, for us to finish anywhere in the top ten was just like a massive achievement for us. And then we got to an FA Cup final and everything. But I, I used to say the same about Stoke City. I think they always used to finish mid table, tenth, thirteenth. Mm. I think. Well, what's the point? Is it, surely I'd ra- I don't want to say I'd rather be in a relegation battle, Alex, but I mean at least there's some sort of excitement in your season when you're finishing mid-table Damn, every year. If you've, if you've been I know going the Premier to... League's the holy yeah. grail and everything, but it's boring watching you lose to Man City twice a season, lose to Chelsea twice a season, beat Bournemouth twice a season. It's boring. Is it me. though? Is it? I don't know if it is because if you've not seen that for 20 odd years and then you 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 get to go away to City, United, Liverpool, Tottenham, there's still about six or seven of the of the games that you're going away to, that you're like, oh, it's, it's either go there or go to, I don't know, <laughs> Chesterfield or something, <laughs> wherever you would be, you would have been going three years, four years earlier. Because uh, short of a Port Vale derby of your Stoke, yeah, it was probably st- was. was yeah, who would Stoke you rather watch? Got to FA Cup final 2011, yeah. and lost to Manchester City, and then I think they got to Europe once. Is that right? right? Under, Pulis, Under Tony Pulis. So I mean, in terms of a 10, 12 year Premier League stay. They've got really two moments to shout about, one of which was losing a cup I, final, one of which was going to Europe. Well, what I sometimes find is that when teams go down, you see, you know, obviously people are upset and they, they, they always cut to a kid crying on the last day. <laughs> but then the day after, you see loads of fans tweeting, actually going, I prefer it in the championship. Mm. I like the football mm. better. I like the full ex- match day experience yeah. better. It's and also we're fighting for something. So I can see it that They way. say that and then... They can't wait to go up exactly, again. So it, it's it's always in limbo. They, we always say in the office at work, we always talk about um, there's there's a select group of teams in the Premier League who hover every season, 14th to 17th. No movement ever. And they don't ever look like they're going to go anywhere. 
you could even throw Brighton into it now. Hmm. Newcastle. Probably not Bournemouth, that'll be unfair. Southampton. West Ham, I always think, are kind Maybe of there West... at the minute. And you just wonder whether they just need shaking. Just something to happen. Because they, they just kind of sat there. Relegation. Re- well, yeah. Aston Villa and Sunderland were the classic Bump examples. Em. Ten years ago, Villa and Sunderland were always 8th, ninth, or 10th. Yeah. And they were always never going to be relegated, never going to win anything. But they take the eye off the ball, complacency sets in. And mm. all of a sudden, they're relegated. And look at Sunderland now. They're, mm. they're in a Serious problem. I mean, trouble. Villa have just come back. But Sunderland... You know, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, yeah. What Watford now have gone from a team that I reckon most people would have backed for tenth this season, somewhere around that, to oh no, we're in a relegation scrap with a, with a team that is so much better than Brighton, Newcastle, Southampton, any of those teams. But now they're they're well amongst it just because of another really silly decision. Yeah, just it's just silly. I don't I don't think there's there's any. I don't think there's anyone who's going to say Javi Grazia should have gone after four games. Yeah, so Javi Grazia replaced at Watford by Kike Sanchez-Flores. I wonder how that will pan out for the Hornets. Talking of managerial changes, who do we think is probably not next at risk of getting the chop, but certainly at some sort of risk of getting sacked? We've looked at the odds, didn't we, Mark, before the yeah. show? Well, Pochettino's, a, not to be sacked, but he's the, the shortest odds to, next to leave because obviously there's a bit of uh, discontent at Tottenham, summer transfers, etc. I'd be surprised if, if he walks, but you never know. He, he has been saying some strange things, but after that, it's Solskjaer. And uh, you look at United's next five league games, um, they've got Leicester at home at the weekend, which is tough. Then there's one, a, a West, couple of winnable West Ham ones. away. Mm. Well, West Ham away. They got yeah. battered there last season. They're always terrible at West Ham away. Arsenal at home. Arsenal as well, yeah. Newcastle yeah. away, which yeah. is, again is tricky, and then Liverpool at home. So I don't see many wins there. Should have beaten Crystal Palace, should have beaten Southampton, and they've dropped points in games where well, when you do have a difficult run, that's when you need to win the games Should have beaten Wolves. Before. You're yeah. missing yeah. penalties yeah. with 10 minutes yeah. left. It's you're missing so... penalties at Wolves because you can't decide your penalty taking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's the manager for being, I think, weak manager. And it, I can't, yeah. you know, you're the penalty taker, take the penalty. So Pogba misses at Wolves, and then Rashford misses against Palace because he's obviously in his head that, oh, God, I've got to score yeah, penalty yeah. because down to Solskjaer. Well, I, can't, I can't see United deciding to sack him, though, even if they do. Well, they won't because he, he's. Um, I just can't he's, he's the board's it. almost safety net. The fans aren't going to turn on him, in, on him that badly like they would have done with Mourinho. They're, they're not going to be baying for blood if, if United lose against Arsenal or Liverpool. The, the, yeah. the they're issue, not baying for his blood, but they are, the every time United lose now, I think exactly. they go are on, for the Glazers. Yeah. But that's exactly what is playing into their hands because they've got a manager there who's almost just being used as... Just he's there. He's piece. almost just yeah. just there yeah. because he's got Possibly. the connection with the fans. And I think in another way, he has done some of the things he promised at the yeah. end of last season when everything turned really bad. Clear he out. said some of these players won't be playing yeah. for me again, yeah. and he's done that. He just hasn't been as well backed in the transfer. Market. I went off on one on one of the podcasts last week That's saying why are Manchester? Yeah, why are Manchester United got seven centre backs? Seven. Oh, Chris Smalling's yeah. Chris Smalling's now gone to Roma yeah. alone, obviously. Not many but good seven, ones. Seven centre backs. Rocco's still there. Why? Rocco plays They're three all, games a <laughs> year, doesn't he? Of that, it's stupid. And then you're selling Lukaku and Sanchez. Admittedly, both of which have probably well, Sanchez definitely has not been as good as expected. Lukaku, mm-hmm. I think maybe was slightly unfairly treated. That's just a personal opinion from the outside. Looking yes, in. I could um, agree with that. So you know, you've replaced them, and and he did say he's going to give the youngsters a chance. And Green Greenwood looks a good player for a young for a young talent, but you're putting a lot of pressure on a, an 17. unreliable Rashford yeah. and unreliable Martial who are both quality players they're just not consistent enough for my liking and then you've got Greenwood so yeah. you're replacing a, a guy in the Premier League in Lukaku who scored over 100 goals with a kid who's played like 
15 minutes of Premier League football. Yeah. But he didn't want to be there, did he, Lukaku, clearly? No. Uh, no. So then you just get, I totally agree with it, just get rid. I think, I think we're going back to 12 months ago when we sat in the studio talking about United's ex-manager. I think it'll happen this season where Pochettino will eventually become United's manager. Do you yeah. think? It, it seems like it should have happened last year. And it didn't. Well, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer went on that unbelievable yeah, run. Yeah, and they it. couldn't not give him yeah, the job yeah. after that. Yeah, but it was just one of those things where I think United are now playing catch-up again. You know, in many in, ways, that you look at it and uh, maybe Solskjaer's doing the, the dirt to it for Pochettino because he's clearing a lot of people yeah, out, but he's not, yeah, yeah. Many, he's not bringing many in. So if, could be. if Pochettino leaves Tottenham because he's not happy, and if he goes to Man United, then a lot of the players he has to get rid of, they've already moved on. The only, the yeah, only problem I've got, I can see is that they're getting players out, but they haven't brought players in, so... No. That they're, they're walking a real tightrope between now and January of being able to keep pace with the top six because I think that like you mentioned the strikers, you know, if, if Rashford or Martial gets injured, for instance, they play Rochdale in the, in the Carabao Cup in two weeks. Mm. Now, he's going to have to rest Rashford. He can't play him every game. No, they've got nobody to come in. They got they can't play the kids because they're playing the kids in the first team in the Premier League every week. They play in the Premier League. Yeah. It's the Carabao Cup team. You know, he'll play. He will play Gomez in Greenwood for that. I think and Chong. That'll be his but front three. But can they afford but... to lose that game? I, know it's, I think they probably can, to be honest. What's in Rochdale? In the, it, in the really Carabao think... Cup, yeah, I don't think anybody's but it's momentum, it's a genuinely that bothered. I'm, the momentum's really been here, I totally yeah. agree. Uh, it is the easiest trophy you can win. As a top six club in the Premier League, it's the easiest trophy you can if win. If Man United have started the season, it's the worst Premier League start for 27 years. And, and that was 92-93 when they actually went and won it, which isn't going to happen this time. So if you've got the worst start in the Premier League for 27 years, they lose to Rochdale in the Carabao Cup. That it's is, bleak. That is, uh, that is a not good, not it's good bleak. start. It's bleak. got a Kazakhstan in the Europa League at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, that, I couldn't no, believe when that draw came out. Yeah, Kazakhstan, and it's the other one, Serbia. Yeah. Well, Kazakhstan's, what, 3,000 miles away? It's a nine-hour nine flight. flight. Yeah. But just looking at that is a, just the worst possible outcome yeah, for United. Terrible. Thursday night terrible. in November, it's, apparently it's a high of minus 8 and a low of minus 17. Yeah, it's just... It's just Grim. So people will still be having a go at Pogba for wearing gloves on Twitter. So yeah. yeah. um, let's move on to the England game. They beat Bulgaria 4-0 in Euro 2020 qualifying. Harry Kane in amongst the goals again, as you'd expect. He's, he's a prolific striker and he still gets plenty of stick from a lot of people. But in an England shirt, I said this to you guys before the show and I'm sticking by it now. I've never felt more confident someone taking a penalty, standing over the ball on the spot. I always think when Kane's got the ball on the spot, he's going to bury it. And he did. And that's what Harry Kane does. So nine penalties is the record for England by Frank Lampard, most scored. And uh, Harry Kane's on eight penalties. What, what are you guys thinking about Harry Kane in terms of his value for England? I think it's a double-edged sword, you know. I, I did a piece on this at the game because I went to the game yesterday and it was such an easy win, I'm struggling for an angle. And I'm thinking <laughs> that um, Harry Kane scores a lot of goals against that kind of team. But what is England's plan B? You know, they've got, I think if you take Kane, if, if Kane gets injured, you've got, you've got Sancho, Sterling, Rashford, Mason Mount... You've got this potential great front line of a three, you know, like Liverpool's front three of a real mm-hmm. fluid forward line. I think Southgate needs to have a look at that because, as you saw in the World Cup, Kane was great against Panama and against Tunisia, but when it mm-hmm. matters against Croatia and Sweden, his, his legs are gone and he wasn't there. I think against the better teams, it's easy for them to deal with. So, it, great against the, you know, the lesser teams, like, say, Bulgaria. But He had an actually a poor World Cup, despite being the top scorer. Yeah, he was really he bad in all but one of the games, yeah, I think. He didn't score in the but Nations he, League in the he summer. He looked injured, though. Yeah, he exactly. looked injured in the World Cup. And he looked injured a lot of last season. And I think at the beginning of this season, it seems to be the first time that you're looking at him going, oh, he's running free. He looks to be moving well, really well again. I watched the first half of the game yesterday with a friend who described Harry Kane as cumbersome. Which I quite like as a I quite like as a description. I've not heard that word used in a long time. Cumbersome. Cumbersome, which if you go into the definition of it, it means 
slow and heavy, therefore unable to move freely, which is sort of what you just said. Harry Kane, he's got this sort of reputation for being overweight for whatever reason. Yeah, which, I don't um, think that's there's true. a couple of people no, in the in the pub yesterday called him fat. What? <laughs> and I looked at him and he's filling, he's filling out his English. He's a, he's, he was, there's a picture of him as a kid, obviously. He he's just like a chubby, big lad, chubby yeah. kid. He's just a, he's a stocky fella. He's very broad. Yeah. I, I really like Harry Kane. I really, really like him. I do think he struggles in big games, though. Sorry, in the City game, he didn't have a single shot mm. in that game. Mm. I think he struggles when teams are defensively quite structured and he struggles to find a way through. A lot of it will be down to the service because he is a player that thrives off crosses and yeah. through balls and, and the like but he is an incredible finisher well this is the thing he's isn't a it? great yeah. finisher yeah. Uh, against, against the Bulgarians he's always going to score goals yeah. and that, that is a real quality to have you can't not that I'm not, not for one minute saying that it shouldn't be in the England team because it should but at the sharp end against the Dutch the French the German the Italians has he got enough has he got enough pace to get away from it and I, I don't mm-hmm. think he has which is why I would at some point look at that front three of Rashford, Sterling, Sancho because I think the pace and the movement there would mm. be devastating and it could yeah. like when, when he was injured for Tottenham last season when they brought in it was Deli Ali, son Lucas they looked a lot yeah. more potent with those three could you argue though as well with striking nowadays um, it, obviously a lot of, of it centred centred around having decent pace um, but Harry Kane his movement's pretty good I don't it's, think he's slow I don't he, think he's he knows, he knows slow. where to stand his positioning's good yep. he's got an eye for and scoring really a goal strong. so that counts for a lot as well just yeah. knowing where to be I mean you look at Timo Pukki he's, he's, he's quicker than anyone gives him credit for Timo Pukki but just the dynamism of him being able mm. to be in the right place at the right time, make the right runs and score goals. That's that's a skill in itself because you look at Alan Shearer was never rapid at all, but he was always no. there the and diff- always scored. I think the Shearer comparison is a really, really good one. Um, but the difference, of course, when Shearer was playing, he would always be part of a two-man centre-forward yeah. team. Him and Shola Amiobi or him uh, and Bellamy well, or whatever. Or him and Beardsley if you're going Beardsley, to somebody good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you, imagine if you were Somebody playing, could. well, if you were playing that same system with a Harry Kane, you could you could transfer him and put him up front with someone like Beardsley. Okay, Kane so. would be fantastic. I think now he has to lead the line yeah. almost on his own. Well, one as, up front as isn't part it, yeah. of it. It's a three, isn't it, up front? And he would have all because imagine if Kane's got somebody else at the side of him so that he can just find the little bits of the gaps and play off someone. He'd be unstoppable. Well, that's an interesting point. Who would you? pair with Harry Kane well, if you were doing a player two up front with, with Tottenham he's always better with Deli Alley behind him and Deli yeah, Alley, he's, he's had a bad 18 months Deli yeah. but he's just I, off the pace isn't he just yeah, off it I think Mason Mount is a, is a player that Mount's could, a good could develop into mm. a potential number but 10 I think that's the other thing as well the England's midfield pointing out last night Henderson, Rice and Barkley is championship mm. like it's there's nothing exciting about that midfield two holding midfielders against Bulgaria it's, it's I think that's poor from Southgate as much as anything mm. and it's just dull we were saying this really when the team sheet came in yesterday. We were looking, thinking, you know, it, it it dropped Kyle Walker to look at new players. So he plays Trippier, Trippier, right? yeah. And then in midfield, he's got two holding midfielders. He's got home to Bulgaria. There's, James, there's no James Madison, which there's, is stupid. There's no Mason Mount. There's no Sancho. And Sancho's on the bench. Give these me. kids a chance. It's, it's Bulgaria at yeah. home. And at Wembley. you're never not going to win that game. No. Just finishing on Harry Kane. He's that's 25th goal now. Yeah. In 40 games for England. Mm-hmm. I, I've said it before. I think he'll take over Rooney's record. Yeah, he's got the time as long as he stays fit, because England plays. Well, so that's m- the key, staying fit. That's and England plays so many games now that you would expect him to get thirty more goals in you an England shirt. I think he's three behind Lampard, four behind yeah. Shearer, and they'll probably mm. get them before Christmas because yeah. they've got some five easy he's, games. He's only fifteen behind Owen. Yeah, but the question with him is: Will you come back in ten years and go? Yeah, remember when Harry Kane broke the England record for all-time goal scorers? Because do you do it with right Rooney now. when Rooney did it? But Rooney. I think Rooney was just a much better player in an England shirt than Harry Kane is. 
Mm. Uh, just just from a total outside looking in. Just I thought he he was more of a like a talisman. Yeah, I think, I think Kane. So. You kind of look at him and think, has he scored any big goals yet? I, I do wonder know. if he's going to get phased Maybe. out in the next two years, and it sounds ridiculous because he'll always he'll always score goals, but. The young players coming through have got much more pace and movement, I, yeah. and, I, and I wonder. And football's changing in and that. And every regard. year, Kane gets an injury, yeah. and you know it, they keep adding up and adding up. And he's twenty-six now, middle of his peak of his career, but twenty-six with three or four bad ankle injuries, your pace gets affected. So, this, this is a really, uh, really strange question. Do you think Harry Kane needs a move um, from Tottenham? Well, yes and no. Yes, because I think he needs something to motivate himself. But no, on the basis that I think I think I think he's suited to Tottenham. If he went yeah. to Madrid or Barca or Bayern Munich, I think he'd struggle. I, I, thought, I just think Madrid. Everyone says Real Madrid. I think they're in terms of their style as a club. I just think they're probably they're too ruthless. I mean, look what they've been like with Gareth Bale. They, they yeah. and Gareth Bale's been treated that way because not because he's not a good player. Because the Real Madrid fans, they just they just think differently to British fans. And Gareth Bale was meant to be the Ronaldo. Mm replacement the heir to Cristiano Ronaldo and they don't understand why Gareth Bale misses a third of the season due to injury they can't yeah. get the Real yeah. Madrid fans they, they're as good as he could score a hundred goals for them in a the season uh, if he misses a third of the season for injury they still won't like him isn't That's some why. of that the and lack I think, of speaking Spanish and the lack of trying yeah. to do it yeah, you know, there, is, there is elements to that yeah. but from, from what I could ascertain from and sort of reading sort of Spanish reports is that they don't dislike Gareth Bale as a player they just can't understand why he's never fit, I, and I think Harry Kane would have a similar think, problem. Going I think to Har- Harry Kane would be horrifically suited to Real Madrid because he's not a star. And if you look, he at, doesn't really have anything off the pitch. And they signed Luka Jovic, and he's yeah. only just got a game. He got like 15 minutes at the end of Villarreal. I, I, I always thought that Kane would end up at United. Yeah, I, I just thought he. Thought he I don't know if now he'd be suited to to the club, but I think he likes being a big star as well. Yeah, the big fish in a small pond, and, with, and Tottenham are a small pond compared to United, Real Madrid, yeah. Barcelona. Yeah. But if uh, you put him at Juve, what would he? I mean, he would score every week. He'd yeah, score two yeah. goals every it's week. It's just whether he he can be bothered mm. moving. He's so comfortable. Yeah, at Spurs. And he's, it's a good fit as well. It sometimes. is a good fit. Doesn't yeah. always work out when players yeah. move when they've and got it, everything. It would perfect. be a hell of a gamble. And I disagree with some of what we're saying as well with regards to England. I think he's probably the first name always on the team because yeah. he's yeah. guaranteed a couple of goals every I, game. I think at this point with the England's games, like who's in the group at uh, this time? We've got. Czech Republic, who Kosovo. we play every year. Kosovo. Kosovo. Well, uh, we've Mark was telling us that it's on a Friday night, the Czech Republic game, oh, in Prague. So, uh, <laughs> so England, England travelling fans won't forgive me then for saying that, but Montenegro, again, play them every year. It's got to the point now where if England don't take full points from the group, you go in. Oh, England's qualification record, even under Roy Hodgson, was the best it's, thing it's in because, Europe. It's because it's so comfortable. It, honestly, it just it, always qualifies for tournaments these but, but, days without dropping. I mean, don't think Roy Hodgson lost a game in qualification Bulgaria. for like two seasons or yesterday, something. Yesterday, it was just. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when they got to the semi finals of the World Cup in 94. Always people like Stoichkov, really yeah, good players. Yeah. They've had Berbatov. And mm, there, there, there are no, there are no Berbatovs and Stoichkovs. Now, you look at Bulgaria, they're ranked 60th in the world, which is. Surprisingly high for what they were, they were. They were rubbish. <laughs> it was like watching attack versus defense, it, and and things like the physique of the Bulgarian players. They're not the same. No, they look tiny and yeah. slow. Strength <laughs> they, and they, they, don't, they don't fill the kit like you know the England players. Like do. Harry Kane. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it, it, it's just you can't gauge England's quality until the tournament. And well, that's yeah, the problem. We all yeah. get really excited because they've beaten North Macedonia and yeah. Well, Kosovo. I think one thing on that is you say that the team news was a bit weird yesterday. What what planning is that? What team? The team he put out yesterday. What, what is he planning for with that? 
It's just like saying, oh, we'll beat these with this team. Stick that out. Well, you may as well not have picked. Let's have you a may as well not have called Sancho up or called any of these players What's up? What's the point but, in calling Madison up? Yeah, exactly. He's not going to get a game. He's, and... he's arguably one of the most exciting players in the league so far this season. Yeah. He's in my fantasy yeah. team, and, so I would well, say. Well, there you go. And same with Mason Mount. And you're playing Bulgaria and he goes, oh, don't know. Let's, let's put Declan Rice and... Just pulling out of a hat, or we'll go Henderson. Again, but again, Rice is a real yeah, young Rice player, maybe, and yeah. he's probably a good one to bloody yeah. him in. Henderson and Barkley. He's a safe player. I think he... it's the system as well, two holding midfielders, as we discussed. Henderson and Barkley. Ah, come on. Okay. I know that Henderson is now a cap. He's just captain Liverpool to Champions League. I just feel like I'm playing devil's advocate, but because it was dull. But they won 4-0. Yeah, and didn't win the game, yeah. Come on. And but, it's a qualifier. It's a serious game. I just think if, he, if Southgate was saving the Madisons and the Sanchos for Kosovo on Tuesday night at Southampton, that, that's probably the, the worst thing you can do because Kosovo, surprisingly, I think... They're 15, good. 15 uh, games were yeah, beaten. 15, 16 and, games. And there's a lot yeah. of... If Kosovo had all the players they could have, people like Shakiri and uh, Yanazai and Granit Xhaka, because yeah. of the whole Kosovo and Albanian yeah, diaspora, yeah. but they've got some very talented players. And I'm not suggesting they'll win it on, on Tuesday, but that is England's toughest game. Yeah. I just find the whole qualifying... For the Euros, especially, just mind-numbingly boring. Yeah. <laughs> we know that England are going to win these games, yeah. and do you know what? They'll draw one, and everyone will go, "Ooh, there's an issue." Southgate, he, he can't do anything. England squad depth. I've got a graphic here, Keezy. Uh In goal: Pickford, Heaton, Pope, Gunn, Board, uh, defenders: Maguire, Mings, Dunk, Godfrey, Stones, Bored. Gomez, Keane, Tarkovsky. Um, fullbacks: Chilwell, Rose, Shaw, Sessing on De Silva on the left, on the right. Alexander Arnold, Walker, Trippier, Wambasaka, Reese, James. That's the hardest. We could actually me. field that, a full team of right backs. Right, yeah, yeah. That's enough. Alexander Arnold, Walker, Trippier, Wambasaka, and Reese James yeah, that's for out, Chelsea. Outrageous. Even though he's not playing for Chelsea, is a very good young fullback. In the middle: Rice, Winks, Dyer, Chalaba, uh, Barkley, Lingard, Grealish, Foden, Henderson, Oxley, Chamberlain, Loftus Cheek, Delph. We've not even got to the forwards yet. Uh, mm. Sterling, Ali, Madison, Mount, Kane, Rashford, Wilson, Abraham, Barnes, Sancho, Hudson, Odoi, Redmond, and Reese Nelson. That's exciting. The forwards are exciting. That's a hell of a squad. I think there. having, like Mark said before, I really want to see Sancho, Sterling, Rashford. Yeah, that's just true. for something different with behind them a Madison. Yeah, and yeah. just let them have a, mm. a it go. Is ex- at playing. It is exciting, well, but I still can't get excited watching England. England Spain game. Cup, I just the, can't. The England Spain game was very exciting because we kind of just played with shackles off and just played attacking football. And because there's an element of, we might not win this, but you yeah. know you know Bulgaria home yeah. going to win. Yeah, and Sterling and Rashford in that game were just brilliant and Kane was okay, great. Okay, j- just a final question to wrap this one up before we have a quick break. Would you rather England win something or your club win something? What's the something? Maybe well, different for you as a Manchester I do, City I do want to see... I'd much rather see my football club I, win I do want to see England win the World Cup. If, so England, if England were playing the same day as Portsmouth, Oh, you'd watch Portsmouth, Portsmouth on TV yeah, and watch yeah, Portsmouth yeah. all day, yeah, yeah. every day. You'd watch your club. I'd probably Rimbled. watch Portsmouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think a club will always come first in, yeah. in England. That's just the, the nature of the beast. But when the summer comes around, obviously everyone wants to Everyone win. forgets, yeah, of course. Everyone yeah. wants to win a, a major tournament. Then they get there and they realise that they're not good enough. Yeah. Never are. <laughs> <laughs> on that morbid note, we'll take a quick break. This is Football Social Daily. Thanks for listening into the show. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. Seven days a week, we'll have Premier League updates for you throughout the week. Then at the weekend, of course, Premier League preview and review shows. No Premier League action this week because it is the international break. But still to come in the show, we'll be talking about Mark's interview with Michael Owen. Michael Owen's, of course, released a book and he's had some rather strange things to say about his former employers, Newcastle United, which has caused a bit of a Twitter war with Alan Shearer. We'll be going into depth about that. We'll also be 
talking about Roy Keane, another player that's been speaking to the press. One who's never uh, likely to mince his words, Roy Keane. So we'll be talking about what he has to say uh, and we'll also be playing a game of Sheffield Wednesday, so don't go anywhere. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. This is the only Premier League podcast seven days a week. Make sure you subscribe. And also, if you've got an Amazon Alexa at home, ask it to open Sports Social because if you support any of the 20 Premier League teams, you can get a daily update on your club, a daily news update, as well as Premier League match reports and match previews for the club you love. So just ask Alexa to open Sports Social and tell it which team you support. Anyway, this is Football Social Daily. My name's Niall. Alongside in the studio, we've got Mark, we've got Alex, we've got Adam. We've been talking about Harry Kane and England's 4-0 victory over Bulgaria. We've been talking about Javi Grazia winning the sack race not as the one race you don't want to win in the Premier League um, he's been replaced by Kike Sanchez Flores but one manager who was also replaced uh, was at Newcastle United and I'm talking oh, getting on for 10 years ago now I'm talking about Alan Shearer his dream job managing his boyhood club Newcastle United um, they got relegated under his watch which Obviously, it's a little bit harsh to say because I think plenty of the damage was already done when he got relegated. Um, but there's been a lot of talk at the moment around Michael Owen. He was there for four years, Michael Owen. Scored 30 Four? Goals. Was he, he there for four? Four seasons. and scored How many games did he play? I think 70-odd Premier League games and he scored 30 goals. So his record... Oh, that's not bad. But he was never fit. And Newcastle fans felt that they didn't really get what they paid for. Um, anyway, Michael Owen has got a book out. So he's been talking about Newcastle fans and in, in what he thinks of them. You actually met him the other day, Mark. Yeah. You had a chat with him. What was he like? How was he feeling? Because obviously it's all been kicking off on Twitter. So um, how, how, what was his sort of thoughts about the whole well, thing? Well, his mood was unrepentant. I don't, I don't particularly bothered about the criticism. I think he felt that one or two things had been taken out of context. But when you have your book serialised, obviously you can't put the whole passage into yeah, it. Cool. Too, too much space. So, but... Um, no, he's, he's kind of unrepentant of what he said and uh, he's, the situation with Shearer, who Michael claimed that Alan Shearer felt that he didn't put his body on the line for Newcastle when he was uh, when he was there in that last that season when they were relegated because mm-hmm. the situation was that Newcastle needed his goals to stay up. Michael was out of contract that summer, so the suggestion is that Alan Shearer felt he was saving himself to avoid getting injured, to avoid having a problem getting a new contract somewhere else. So, yeah. And as we all know, he went to Man United that summer. So... so uh, Two big mates, two former England captains, England, England strikers, haven't spoken for 10 years, which was a bit of a surprise because nobody really knew it. Uh, Michael was saying that he's surprised that nobody you know, wrote about it because it's no secret mm. in his world, but in, in the world of you know, football, uh, wider, wider world of football, people didn't know. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was quite a surprise. Well, Michael Owen gets plenty of stick from his appearances and co-commentary and on TV as a pundit. Um, people are always having a dig at what Michael Owen's got to say. Um, I think, though, Alex... If there's one footballer that you know you're going to get a nibble off in Twitter, it's Alan Shearer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also- He's always going to buy anything you say. You can some uh, there's a guy on Twitter who called Alan Shearer a bold mug and he blocked him. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's, there's plenty worse things that could be called. The thing, the thing with Owen. Uh, just to go back to Owen for a second though, he he's almost universally disliked by every fan of every club he's ever played for. Because United fans aren't particularly liking him because they see him as a Liverpool player. They also see him as someone who came who was a bit broken, but, a bit injured. Same Liverpool don't like him because Liverpool don't like he him because he went to United. Yeah. Real Madrid, he was in a sort of weird time of Madrid's history there. Yeah. And he did okay for them, but again was what? injured a lot. And then Newcastle, we now know hit. Mm. they hate him. Where else has he been? Stoke. And what what really do, they, do they didn't play? Speak, no. It speaks just, volumes that he's but, played for two of the biggest clubs ever. Yeah. United and Liverpool and nobody likes him. Three, Madrid. Real Madrid. Madrid. And but, even playing for Newcastle and 
It, it takes some doing to be disliked by basically every club you've played yeah. for. Yeah, and yeah. Owen said, he said <laughs> that Newcastle aren't a big club. They've just got a big stadium and a big fan base. That's yeah, right. which is kind of the definition, really. One, two of the three or four definitions of a big club. I agree it? with him, finally. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. a big club for me is it, those are two parts of it, but you have to win trophies. Yeah, history. I haven't won a trophy since we had black and white TV. So, um, you know, yeah. it's been a long Ni- time. 1955 was the last time Newcastle won a trophy. They still think that they deserve one, though, don't they? They need one. Sorry, I can't do this again. Did this on the last one. I know, I agree. <laughs> with you. I think Newcastle... They, they, how, have you been how, to Newcastle? It's a great night out. It's a great place. Newcastle's great place. Since 1955, they've not won but, a trophy. But they think that they should be because they're always moaning. There However, been, there has been this story over the, over the years that when uh, Abu Dhabi were looking to buy a football club, Newcastle yeah, was yeah. their you know, favourite mm. option. And I think City managed to uh, swing the deal because of this brand new stadium and what have you. But can you imagine if Newcastle had been taken off by Abu yeah. Dhabi, how, you know the different story that we'd have had that Newcastle would be the, the old dominant force and the, the Jordan yeah, would be yeah, you know, yeah. They, they probably wouldn't be happy because it wouldn't be the, the right start of football or Kevin Keegan wasn't in charge or well a lot, of old, city, a lot or... of old City fans are not happy are they still <laughs> they still win you all the time <laughs> going back to, to Michael Owen I'm sure he says plenty of other stuff in his, his book Mark was there anything that he was definitely sort of keen to get off his chest when you spoke to him more he just wanted to reiterate the fact that what he said about Shearer was it wasn't changing his mind and he explained that you know, the situation whereby he actually said, look, I put my body on the line, you know, that he actually made himself available for that last game, which Newcastle didn't win and were relegated. And uh, But like I said, he, he treated it with a bit of a shrug of the shoulders. It was like, well, you know, that's the truth. And if you don't like it, tough. You know, I'm not bothered what Newcastle fans think of Alan mm. Shearer. That, that's, that's the reality of it. And uh, he is um, <laughs> he's quite a chippy individual, Michael. He's always been like that. I mean, I'm, I'm being... Chippy? Game. Michael Owen, is he? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really surprised at that. I'm, yeah. Uh, I remember being, when he scored his first goal for United I was I was covering the game at the time it was at Wigan mm. and uh, he'd gone to United and they just saw Ronaldo and Tevez so obviously it was like well you saw Ronaldo and Tevez you saw, you've signed Mike Lowen on a free and Antonio Valencia so the mood was a bit down and, uh, <laughs> the so, start of the problems Mark yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it <laughs> so he uh, it had a bit of stick and it was nothing too serious and he, he scored his goal at Wigan and he's walking past us after again two or three reports like, Michael have you got a, got a minute and I retold this story to him the other day and he thought it was quite funny so it he said, Michael, have you got a minute? And he walked on past three or four steps in turn and said, you can get fucked, you're always caning me. <laughs> <laughs> Carried on walking. So, uh, But I like that in a player. I like a player to be you know, bold and opinionated and, and give it back. I don't like these players that are just put their head down, never say anything. Now, the problem with Michael is that because he came through as a boy wonder when he was 18, 19, yeah. he never said anything until he was about 25. So people still have this image of him as Michael Owen. wouldn't say boo to a goose, but the reality is, He's quite gobby and he's quite. Yeah, he's, he's quite always spiky. had a touch of arrogance about him, hasn't he? Like, I remember the. Vi- Do you remember that video where him and Neville Southall <laughs> scoring goals oh, against yeah, a 14 year old? Well yeah. done, Michael. Well he's done. 13. He's 13. <laughs> well done. Yeah. But um, even then, Michael Owen was a bit ruthless with the kid, he, you know, like celebrating and everything. But that's that's him, isn't it? He that's made what the he's point, like. And he was defending Shearer in a certain extent, saying when you're at the top, top level like that, you have to be quite a ruthless bastard and yeah. quite arrogant and tough yeah. and not care what people think. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's right, you know. Pe- People, we're going to talk about Roy Keane later and people talk about footballers nowadays they can't take criticism mm. in the dressing room or out mm. of it and I think you know you've got to have a thick skin and you've got to be tough and you've got to be ruthless and single minded and I think he is and uh, you know I'm all for that I'm, I'm all for footballers to come out and say I didn't like him he was it's a such tough. a surprise this because he comes across on TV whenever in the last 10 years it's just so dull and like not the exact opposite of I opinion just I just, just don't seems... think he's very good at being a pundit at talking yeah I mean he he might have a lot of personality he just doesn't I think he's lost his love for the game I, 
I think. I, as well. I mean, his passion in life is not football; it's racing, it's horse racing. Yeah, he's he's done he, a, a sensational job of selling his book. I've spoke to him before. Yeah, yeah, he has actually. I, I've to... I've met Michael and I've spoke to him before, and I spoke to him about football for ten minutes, and he's just like just wasn't really asked. And then when we started talking about horse racing, that's when he sort of lit up, and and he became more sort of enthused about horse mm. racing. I think maybe maybe the football is is. You know, he was he was playing from sixteen, and he played a hell of a lot of games when he was younger, which is yeah. probably why his body did break down when he, when he got well, to his later years. That he uh, he had a really bad hamstring injury playing at Leeds one night. I think he was only eighteen, nineteen, and he that's that's the point where he says from that point on, his decline started. He wasn't even twenty because he had such wow. pace. He had amazing yeah, pace. Yeah, he lightning. He was he? so exciting for England. When he came through, him, him, and, and, him and Beckham were the superstars, oh, weren't they? Him mad. and Beckham that time, that around that time for England, they that, were the... that goal against Argentina. Yeah, yeah. was yeah. one of the great moments. Should for... have passed his goals. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cliche. You got the cliche belt. I was, wait, I was waiting earlier for someone to go. Uh, Harry Kane should have squared it to Sterling. Yeah. There's another one. Didn't, didn't want but, to do it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think Michael Owen, like you say, back then was it was him and Beckham, and you always you, felt like England had more of a chance when Michael Owen was playing. You, you talk about him being ruthless as well. Apparently, Shearer's never ever mentioned this sour relationship in the last ten years since it's happened, mm. and this is the first time he's commented on it because Owen's brought it into the public eye. Well, Owen said they used to play golf and stuff together, and they mm. were pretty good mates. And now that's sort of broken down. And I think, uh, am I right in thinking, Mark Owen said that you know he still happily speak to Alan Shearer, and it's kind of the problem lies with Shearer rather than Owen. I don't think Owen's too fussed, but he if... mentioned stubbornness. He said that they were both doing a TV job at some point in the last few years, and he said, you know, I thought I'll go and have a chat with him. No, you know, because he's a stubborn shearer, so it it might get resolved now. Because apparently, this this could be quite interesting. Actually, the, it's the FA's. There's an, an anniversary coming up of something or other, and all the all the surviving England captains are, have been invited. So Shearer and Owen are going to be in the same room together on an England kind of FA <laughs> junket. So are they going to be at opposite ends of the room, or are they going to actually say, you know what, it's a little bit nonsense. This, how are you doing, mate? Fancy a beer. But well, one of them's got to make the first move. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's like a soap opera, this. <laughs> trying to figure out what's going to happen. Um, one player uh, who used to play for Manchester United also is Roy Keane. He's been speaking to Off The Ball, um, our Irish friends, um, along with Gary Neville, in a, a long-form interview in front of an audience. Um, and he said some rather interesting things as well. He was laying into his former gaffer, Sir Alex Ferguson, which I think also stems from a book. Alex Ferguson said some things in his book a few years ago, and Roy Keane's never really taken to that very well what do you make of what he's had to say he, he said uh you know sir alex ferguson's man management wasn't all it was cracked up to be basically that was the well that, i think that he, was what he was trying to say i think he's not so bad he, i think he says both clough and ferguson were great man managers but um he's he's talking about doing uh, the best for man united the, yeah it's the about the doing the best for man united and then he says oh, he's got his brother he's got his son darren's playing for the team and he gets a premiership <laughs> medal he shouldn't have been anywhere near it then he goes to Preston and when he gets sacked from Preston... Surprised his wife re- wasn't on the staff yeah. and stuff it was, like that. I mean, it's all really funny, but that is... I mean, the first thing that came out of... It's a two-hour video yeah, yeah. that has been clipped and you can watch the full thing online if you want, but any time King's talking, his timing, his comedic timing is perfect. He's a headline hunter, isn't he? He's, and he does it really well. But he's just on... He seems yeah. to be honest and he's just so relaxed and he knows exactly what he's doing with a little wry smile. And you compare him sat on the sofa with Gary Neville, he's arguably the pick of the pundits, I suppose. Mm. He's probably the most intelligent one. He seems to make the best points. Gary Neville looks ridiculously dull in comparison. He looks like he's got no personality whatsoever. He's repeating himself every uh, couple of sentences because everybody in the room is just going, right, Gary, talk 
talk to Roy, yeah. shut up. No, it, was, it was a difficult one for Gary because of his loyalty to Ferguson, isn't it? And he did, yeah. just didn't yeah. want to say. And uh, I love the, I just love the way that Roy Keane was referring to him as, as Ferguson. Sure. Ferguson. Yeah, he kept coming that up. Man, yeah, that man. There was no uh, never said so. He called him Alex Ferguson, Ferguson a couple yeah. of times. So, yeah. inter- interesting though that if you look at Keane's managerial record and some mm. of the thing, it's very strange that he keeps going after Ferguson. Yeah, I find it very like. Well, in a, <clears throat> in a second, we'll talk about Roy Strange. Keane's management styles because there's this infamous WhatsApp voice note which was sent by Stephen Ward, yeah. where apparently John Waters and Roy Keane got in a bit of a, an altercation. Harry Arthur's involved as well. But before we do, why not actually listen to what Roy Keane's had to say here? And I tell you what, I was at the club when Brian Robson left. I was at the club when Steve Bruce left. Two brilliant servants from Man United, and I didn't like the way they were treated at the end. So people talk about Ferguson's man management. Don't be kidded on by all of it either. Yeah. Don't be kidded on by all that. And Ferguson came out afterwards going, well, I always done what was best for United, Manchester United. Nonsense. His son played for the club, won a league medal, Darren. Very lucky. His... his brother was chief scout for Man United for a long time. Hey, listen, I'm surprised his wife wasn't involved on the staff somewhere. Darren, his son, was at Preston one time. Darren loses his job. A couple of young players are unknown for Man United. Guess what happens the next day? They're pulled out of Preston. Is that what's doing the best for Man United? Do me a favour. When did you last speak to Ferguson? <laughs> Not since then, obviously. Not one conversation? I think when he apologises to me, I probably will say hello to him, yeah. No, <laughs> no interest in speaking to the man. Nothing even over the past year, the ill health, made you think, maybe I'll just give him a call. Maybe life's too short. No. When he apologises to me and David Gill. So quite brutal from Roy Keane, but you wouldn't expect any less. Um, Alex, your uh, comedy's your thing. You've been around the scene for years, and mm. you're just a veteran in it. it. That to me sounded like as a, a bit like a sort of a night with Roy Keane. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it was built pretty well. I, I got to MC. I got to do the warm up act for an evening with Eric Cantona. But there was about five or six shows of that, and Cantona was also someone. And I think what he's got in common with Keane. When you're holding an audience of two, and the one that played him, there were 3,000 people there hanging on his every word, on Cantona's every word. Mm. And it was the same in this with Keane. But there's just no bullshit from either one no. of them. They're actually so rare in football or mm. in sport or even in life, to be honest, that they would just say what they are thinking. So I think that's the, the main appeal of them. I think what I suppose, I guess what I was trying to get at was, is there an element of theatre? From Roy yeah. King. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a bit of a persona. That of course, of on. course. And the, the way he looks and some of the nodding, the he's giggling and he's smiling with his eyes because he yeah. says yeah. stuff and like, even when he says no, there he's like no. But then you see him like look away and he he knows exactly what he's doing. I often don't think he means a lot of what he says either. I think, I think he, he's I think playing he possibly up to plays up to it. He's playing up to. It. He's really hamming it up. These opinions. People say he's quite emotional, but I always find him quite emotionless. Gee, I don't. Yeah, I find him that. He's so insensitive that I just find him to be like almost just stony. Do you not have any Irish relatives though that are just exactly like this? This I, is like everybody's Irish granddad I think who just goes like whatever he thinks, not just says to it him until he apologises. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't mind that he he speaks his mind and he's he's very open. Almost like it's quite ad- admirable how open he is. Right. I just I just find that sometimes he he pushes it so far, you just think. Oh, what are you doing here other than looking for headlines? There are You're two looking sides for quotes. to Roy Keane. I, I'm going to tell you a story now, which is a, it's a little bit of a, a sad story, but it's one that I was told by somebody who knew 
the other guy in the, the story about this. This is so when Roy Keane was uh, managing Ipswich, hmm. uh, Gary Ablett was one of the coaches used to play for uh, them. Yeah, I remember that. him. Yeah, now, Gary Ablett at the time uh, he was diagnosed with cancer, and obviously just couldn't work. And Gary returned to Liverpool, and I was told that every week Roy would, after training on a Tuesday or Wednesday, would drive to Liverpool from from Ipswich to spend an hour or two with, with Gary Ablett and then drive back just to kind of. So there's a there's a personal touch there which a lot mm. of people wouldn't do. Now it's one of those stories that you don't really hear about, but. So this kind of hard man, you know, don't care attitude that he projects there, that, that is part of it. But there is also this kind of, this more human side to Roy Keane, which yeah. he probably doesn't want out there. But that's the reality that he has actually got a caring side somewhere underneath that it, tough a, skin. The, those are the sorts of stories that that should kind of be told. Because mm. you see what he said about John Walters. Mm. You think, why do that? There's no need for him to to be like... I quite admire the whole Ferguson stuff and him not backing down because he's not been apologised to. But to say some of the things that he said about Walters especially, it's a bit like, what? what's the point? You just, you've gone from being hard and opinionated to just being quite nasty. And I, that's the mm-hmm. bit I don't get with Keane, that sometimes he, he oversteps the mark and just thinks, oh, well, I'm just saying what I think. Talking about his, his management style, of course, Mark mentioned his time at Ipswich. He was also at Sunderland. Um, he also, most recently, was the assistant manager for the Republic of Ireland national team, along with uh, Martin O'Neill. And there is an interesting WhatsApp uh, voice message, which was recorded by Stephen Ward, the uh, Republic of Ireland international, which is what you were referring to, right, Adam? Um, yeah. And it involves also Harry Arter and John Walters, the, the former Stoke City and Burnley striker. So have a listen to this, lads. Um, this is what Stephen Ward's had to say about an altercation between... Roy Keane um, with Harry Arter and John Walters. They flew out to France and apparently Johnny just texted Roy and said, listen, Roy, I'm in room, whatever. Uh, if you want to come up, you've obviously got, you know, something on your mind that, you know, pisses you off about me. Do you want to come up because it's causing tension in the squad? Let's, uh, like, let's talk it out. And uh, apparently Roy just rolled back and went, nah, I'm just here to help players and, you know, people like you, just stay, stay out of each other's way. Um, you don't need to reply to this message. And that was that. And then um, they got back from France and Harry felt his quad in training again, so he, he wasn't training. And um, Apparently he was getting a, like a, a bit of treatment in the treatment room and Roy walked in and he was like, when are you going to train, you fucking prick? And Harry was like, what? And he was like, fucking, any chance you train? And he explained the situation again and Roy was just going off, going, you're a fucking prick. You know, you're a c-t. you don't even care, you don't want to train. And Harry was just going, Roy, I'm not speaking to you like this, like, just, you know, I'm not listening to you. You know, you're not the manager, so, you know, you you can't say anything to me. Apparently Roy was just going mad, getting, like, fucking worse and worse, and Harry just got up off the treatment bed and walked back to his room, and as he was walking back to his room, Roy was just shouting down the corridor, you're a fucking prick, you're a c***, you've been all your life. And that was it, really, lads. Didn't come to blows, but basically Roy just losing his head. Wow. That is an, an anecdote, and... Whether it happened that way, we'll, we'll never know. I presume it did. I, I presume it did. It seems it's like a strange it. thing for Stephen Ward to lie about, wouldn't it? Yeah, it but, would um, be. Yeah. So, so what happened was that WhatsApp message was just relaying something that that yeah. had happened. He was obviously talking to to a few mates about that, um, and I think the situation with him and Walters that was his sort of uh, take on the Harry Arter situation. But mm. with him and John Walters, I think John Walters was getting equally sort of scrutinised by Keane for not being ever fit. And then I think John Waters actually, they had a bit of a scrap in the training ground. Yeah, it seems to be. So when Keane Keane is interviewed and he's on stage, he's talking about, um, he's a bit more specific 
uh, saying the problem is with with Arta and with Walters. It's not that they're not training, it's that they're coming in and refusing to train with the group and they're just saying, I'm doing my programme today, I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm on a programme from my physio. And and King sort of says, suggests, well, if you're fit enough to do that, why, if you can like do weights and you can do a load of squats with like 40, 50 kilo weights, whatever they're doing, why can you not come and run about and kick a ball with us and actually train properly and be part of the team? So I think this seemed to have festered over quite a few times the Irish squad had met up. And then King being King just exploded. What I said about him being insensitive, I think that's what it is. I, I don't know whether he's he's being mean or he just doesn't know that he's being so insensitive about things. Like when he said about Walters crying on TV, why didn't he just lie low? It's a bit like you don't. I don't know. Don't, yeah. That's just that's just Roy Keane. I'm not defending him by any yeah. means, but that's just Roy Keane's character. And I, I think yeah. if people don't match up to his impossibly high standards, the yeah. story about Mark Bosnich, which he. Which I think Bosnich has told in the fast. So Bosnich signed for United after the treble, what ninety nine, and uh, he turned up late for training his first day, ten minutes late. And Bosnich says, "Oh, the traffic's ridiculous." And King was like, "Well, why don't you drive down yesterday and find that route? And you, why, why don't you come? Why don't you do a dry run? You know, where's your preparation?" And that most people would, you know, if you're starting your job on a Monday, would you do a dry run on a Sunday? Probably not. <laughs> but but that, that's Roy Keane's attitude. I that, don't know. I probably it, would. <laughs> if, it was, if it was an eighty grand a week job, I probably would. I think it boils down to as well. I mean. There's a saying that you know Gary Neville doesn't have many friends in the. I don't think Roy Keane has many friends in the game, but I don't think he cares about that. No, I don't. No. I mean, it, I mean, I wonder how many teammates genuinely liked spending time with Roy Keane. Well, Lee Sharp was a massive friend of Keane's. Yeah. I think when they were uh, going out in this, you know, Roy Keane, his job was to get the job done for United. Yeah, that of was course. his job, and, and I don't think he let anything else get in the way of that. Which I guess is what, what it, he's during to get. this this interview again, though, Keane just he, he talks about stopping drinking. Uh, when he, I think he's about 27, 26, 27, and he used to go out after every game and then suddenly mm. he realises he can't do that anymore and he just stops and turns into this machine. Is that the cut-off point? <laughs> obsessed with his body fat. That's where you lose a lot of your friends. If all your mates are going out... He didn't, and... have, a, remember, he didn't have a great relationship with Jason McAteer, who was, at the time, a big player for Ireland, but he was mm. also part of the so-called Spice Boys at Liverpool. Yeah. And yeah. Keane would have hated that Liverpool environment. Yeah. Absolutely hated it. The white suits, the going out, the loaded yeah. magazines. He so. mentions that. And also he kicked off, I seem to remember, at... Um, about Jack Charlton and they're all like going to do the Harry Ramsden's chippy. Yeah. You have to eat these massive fish and chips and he's going, this is the day before we fly out to go to the World well, Cup. We've not even spoken about Saipan yet and the whole Mick McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, ball, the balls yeah. and the pitches. So, uh, yeah, he mentions he's that. Got, well. He's got a trigger point, put it that way. It's oh, a great interview. It's great. It is a great interview and as Adam says, he is a character and I do think he yeah. does brighten up the game. Although yeah. what he says might not be to everyone's taste. Anyone who doesn't think that managers and staff mm. are going around calling players pricks and stuff... I mean, it happens all the time. I'm I've sure. seen fights on the training ground yeah. all the time. You've got 25 guys in the squad. They're not all going to get on. And There's going to be scraps. No. There's going to be yeah. arguments. He grew up with Clough and Ferguson where he's two sort of big influences as a manager. So he would just picked all that up off I, them as well. I did like what he said about um, Brian Clough punched him. He said, yeah. Brian Clough punched me in the face once, but I still thought he was a good manager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll see uh, if any further Roy Keane comments make it out into the media. I'm sure we'll be talking about them on Premier League Daily. But we have... Reached the conclusion of the show. But before the show ends, we always like to do something. Alex, you love this game. I love this. It's great. He loves it. Shuffield Wednesday. It's our game for debutantes on uh, Football Social Daily. Keezy, you've been through the experience. I got. I still think I got stiffed with this. <laughs> I, I think I got stiffed with it. because I. I've, well, we'll see how this goes. So this is how the game works. It's Shuffield Wednesday. So Mark Ogden is uh, a debutante today on the show. You've got 30 seconds, Mark. The timer starts. 
I give you a letter uh-huh. of the alphabet, and you need to name as as many Premier League players, past or present, whose surname begins with that letter. Okay. You've only got thirty seconds. It is against the clock. It sounds dead easy. What's the when record? You, the record's seven, I think. Yeah. Seven. Um, I, yeah. Which I got, doesn't sound like a lot in no, thirty seconds. I got but stiff. It is. What do you mean you got stiff? I got given the letter Y. No, yeah, don't don't give me X. Yeah. Well, X isn't going to happen. <laughs> it's definitely not going to be X. Okay, Mark Ogden, Football Social Daily. This is Shuffield Wednesday. You've got 30 seconds. Many Premier League players, as you can name, past or present, beginning with the letter F. Uh, Fabinho. Yes. Uh, Fred. Yep. Jesus. Uh, F. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. Fairclough. Yes, okay. Uh, Franson. Pepper Bolton. Uh, Jesus. Leroy Fur. Wow. Not bad. Uh, F. Oh, time's ticking. Ferguson. Yeah. Darren Ferguson. Wow. Duncan Ferguson. Oh, Fletcher. Well, the timer ran out and you were on one, two, three, four, five. I got six. Six also. Six is, yeah. That's a very solid effort. Um, when you started going down the Brazilian route, I, can't I thought, believe oh, you no, went, what have I done? Fernandinho did yeah. get in there. Oh. I can't believe you went to Fabinho and didn't go Firmino straight away. Where did Leroy Fair go? That's why we love this game. Six is pretty good. And you got quite a few after the the, the final yeah, whistle. Yeah, there was another. Well. Although he did. time. There you go. You I didn't get the old three Fergusons, did you? I should have outlined you can't have all the Fergusons or all the Smiths if you ever have the letter S. Gents, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming in. Thanks to Mark Ogden. Where can we find you on Twitter, Mark, by the way? Uh, At Mark Ogden underscore. Don't Um, abuse me like everybody else does. Just give me a bit of of love. (laughs) (laughs) His love was Sheffield Wednesday legend. Sheffield Wednesday legend now, isn't he, Mark? Uh, Thank you very much, Alex. Yeah. um, Hopefully see you again soon, mate. Yeah, yeah. I've been been away and working, but I'm back. Thank you very much, Adam Keyworth. Thank you for listening at home. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you leave us a nice little review as well. And if you have an Amazon Alexa smart speaker, just ask Alexa to open Sports Social and uh, play you the latest update for your team because if you support any of the 20 Premier League clubs, we'll have a daily news update there for you as well as Premier League match previews and match reports as well. But that's it for now. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.